Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for Estrada Bianca. Recap both the men and women's race on podcast players on YouTube. You can go and check the separate file for the women's recap. That was a very exciting addition. But we'll start with the men's race. Just finished on a Saturday as normal because Sunday is for mass in Italy, as we know. And Tadej Pogacar, he was on the start list, the big favorite in, on a route that was longer than before, 30 k's longer before the race, Benji. Then you said he's the main, the big boss at RCS. They're trying to make it longer so it can reach monument status, which we've mocked this debate, I think, now the last two years because I, as I say, I don't know what a monument is and I couldn't give two shits. Uh, But what's your reaction to that? I have a new rule for monuments. A monument can be a monument only if two of the five big guns in cycling arrive. If Pogacar, Evenepoel, Vingegaard, um, oh God, oh, Wout van Aert and Vanderpool. If two of those five arrive, I'm okay with monument status. If only Pogacar is on the start list, I can't. I'm sorry. I think as a, also I'll add another rule. If you have to beg to be a monument, you're not a monument. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> so if you have to ask too much, then it's, you want it, then it's not. Because right now there's quite a bit of people in the cycling world, in the cycling mainstream people that watch cycling or like the fanatics that watch cycling like us. There's quite a few people that want Strade to be a monument, but I think it's still the minority. I think for it to be a monument, it needs to be clear for the majority of people that watch the sport, okay, this deserves to be that. And like, I didn't care until I realized he openly said they're changing the parkour to somehow for this arbitrary designation as a monument. And I'm like, why? You had a good thing. 2015 to 2021, strata incredible races are really exciting and now what you're gonna because the heavy guys as it becomes 220 and if they god forbid they make it 250 then with 4500 5000 meters down ever you're not gonna have someone over 70 kilos winning like Cancellara or Stibar. yes but i will counter your point a bit i fully agree that making it harder climbing wise will result in better climbers coming out on top so rvv for example bogacha is the rider that is now one of the perfect riders to ride that parkour and win it. But I will say, I feel like there's been a change in cycling in the last 10 years where there was more of a bracket in which riders fit in. And now GC riders like Pogacar are now dipping into other brackets, which means that those show up in those races. So for example, Kristoff won on the same RVV parkour, if I recall correctly, that Pogacar won on, right? I think so, yeah. Or Beriol certainly did. Betty so yeah. Terpstra, also same parkour. So I feel like there's been this, this change in the start list as much as we've seen those, those races go open earlier. And I think it's a combined effect of all these things that results in these longer races like RVV and like Strade, which if it turns into a 250 kilometer race, will also be more for the climbers than it is for the punchers, I would reckon. Yes, I agree. And maybe that's also a Pagatra effect. I would say, though, if you look through this top 10, it's, yeah, when, when I look at, like, Laporte, for example, I would say he's an yeah. elite. He's an elite one-day sort of rider, classics rider. Correct. But if you make this another 30Ks longer, he won't even be in Group 2. He's yeah. already getting dropped on every climb today. So, and, yeah, you can say, well, Van der Poel's an exception, Van Aert's an exception. They're not winning Liège. And if you turn into Liège, you're limiting those superstars being able to compete. So I think be careful what you wish for RCS. Anyway, that's a long discussion. Uh, I, I should probably say what the parkour is exactly. <laughs> 215Ks, as I said. There's a 6.5K Montalcino stay, uh, climb earlier in the parkour. It's hard early. Like If you have good teammates, there's climbing all day up and down, barely any extended flat. Uh, and then when they hit the, the big sector, is sector 8. So even Sector 7 is pretty hard. You can make the race really hard there, 100Ks from the finish. 
uh, the, I don't know, Sector 7. And then Sector 8 is where the, the race has blown apart in, in previous years. But now that's 30Ks further from the finish. Instead of being 50Ks from the finish, it's about 80Ks from the finish, if my maths is correct. And then you, of course, have shorter climbs like the Tolfe. But actually, the longest gravel sections are all in the first 140 kilometers uh, of this race. So I still thought it would, yeah, it just meant that the race would explode on that 1K 10.3 per section steep part of of uh, Monte Santa Marie. But who else do we have here apart from Poggy, Benji? Uh, we've got Sean, she was good in Omlo. Pitcock, defending champion with Sheffield. Um, Wellens in his own team, which is to be noted because... Already spoiler, I think Wellens was one of the stronger riders in this race, yeah. but obviously he, he worked for Pogacar today. And Ben Healy's at this race. We've got Visma with Laporte and Walter, Leonard van Eetveld and Maxim van Gels, which I was curious to see who is going to take the upper hand in this race because both have been performing great in February. Mohoric is here. Alaphilippe was here until the first few meters because he crashed very early in the race together with Manier and they both abandoned this race. So been unfortunate to hear that because... The man's been having it in, in February, not going to lie. And March ain't starting off very well either. So let's hope the injuries are, are nothing too serious. I, I was surprised a few weeks ago to not see Kron start the season for Lotto, but apparently he's got a concussion and that's why yeah, he didn't show up here. Uh, yeah, he's, something's not right. So he's, something's not right. Um, which is but, a shame because him and Van Hills are a good combo. I was going to add to your parkour storyline that... Before this race started, I was thinking, is it still going to open up on Monte Santimari? Because Monte Santimari is the longer section. There's that steeper part in it, like you mentioned. Then I look at Pinzotto, Le Tolfe, the, the big ones in the, in the two loops at the end. I felt like it was too short to have a, a Wellens plus Pogacar combination attack. And in my head, that was what I would expect UAE to do to launch. So it was only Monte Santimari that, that really fit for them to make it super hard and make it a, a 1v1 battle by the end of that segment where Wellen shreds it and Pogacar goes. And that's what I was kind of expecting from this race. And that's why, why I didn't really expect it to open up later. But anyway, we're going into this race. <laughs> Let's head into the race before we spoil anything here. There is an early breakaway. Okay, we're not going into the race because let's talk about our training first. Yeah, that's the thing. During the women's race, I was on uh, the join workout player doing some... I had like a VO2 max plus tempo session today. Women's race was really, really good. And there's two new features. This episode is brought to you by Join Cycling, our training partner. But two new features I are really excited to uh, mention to you uh, from Join Cycling. They're shipping. They're a, not a new company, but they're like, I would say an agile company for want of a better word. They're always shipping yep. new features, improving the product. And they brought out on uh, the middle of February, a readiness score. So if you have a wearable device like uh, a Whoop or even your Garmin watch or whatever watch you have that measures HRV, high variability or uh, sleep quality, anything like that, you can use that to say your recovery level, how recovered you are, or your fatigue. Uh, for that day's training as well as your muscular soreness now i don't use those devices but i still use it today first today was really effective because i was given on my classics plan an additional day of rest even though i'd only trained for a day i did a hard ride yesterday but then normally join they do like three days one day off which is how a lot of the teams work rather than like three weeks on and one rest week join the plans to me they're a lot more three days on one day off but I had one day on and then another day off, and I was like, I feel, I woke up, I feel good. So I put my recovery at max, my muscular soreness, I felt fresh, and then I had time and I wanted to do another session today. So then the plan was like, sweet. And then I just put that readiness in, gave me that workout today. That's a really good feature, uh, particularly when you're busy and you're not fatigued and you're like, well, it's better I do the session today when I've got time and I feel good. Uh, and the second feature, also valuable to me because I use a, a Wahoo head unit, is direct export from the your workout from the application to your Wahoo device. Now you need to update your join uh, application to the latest uh, firmware. You need to update your Element Companion app and your uh, device to the latest uh, software or firmware. Luke will tell me what the correct one firmware. of those is. Firmware. Yeah, yeah I'm, the, I'm the tech guy here. Obviously, uh, <laughs> you need to update those to directly export the workouts to your Wahoo device. That's been a, that's a, yeah, been, uh, an important one and also helps 
be good for me as a, as a Wahoo user. So just letting you know that uh, those two features have been shipped out. And if you want to try out Join Cycling, you can get 30 days free trial, no credit card details required through our special link down below, as well as a six months discounted uh, uh, subscription to Join after that 30-day free trial has expired. So go check it out. They support the pod and us, and they're getting me and us in really good shape for Flanders in under 10 days. So stay tuned for that. Thanks to them for supporting the Strata coverage. Okay, the race starts, Benji. You're watching on uh, on the trackers. Was there even a breakaway today? There was a breakaway. Lawson Craddock, Mark Donovan, Dion Smith, Anders Johansson, and uh, Niels Boer, but those riders were caught by the time I started kicking into the actual broadcast because the broadcast uh, for me started with the segment basically Monte Santa Marie at the foot of Monte Santa Marie the, uh, the broadcast started but at that point Quinn Simmons was ahead because he had attacked on the segment before so 100 kilometers to go San Martino in Grania um, gravel segment Quinn Simmons anticipates tries to get a bit of an advantage before Santa Marie and then we hit that Santa Marie segment 15k later and he gets caught so um, I think he maybe saved a bit compared to the riders in the running towards Monte Santa Maria in the peloton, but I don't think he gained too much in that either. But it became clear very quickly that UAE were were cooking something. They were cooking something up. They had dropped Wellens in the pan. He was uh he was frying the pace in the peloton, and people were burning at the end because there were riders dropping very quickly. And Wellens's lead out, he he kind of started as a fast paced diesel is how I describe it kind of start pacing properly, but harder and harder and harder until you know Pogacar will eventually go. And it's like you said in that running towards a steep one kilometer segment, that's where Pogacar is launched by Wellens. And with 81 kilometers to go in this race, I'd say 10 minutes after the broadcast started, Tade Pogacar attacks. And what's your first reaction? Oh, first reaction, race over. Like I didn't expect <laughs> anything different because, and I want to give credit We'll talk about Pogacar in a second, but his teammates did a good job and people probably thinking, oh, how did this happen? How did they just let him ride away? Well, the answer is Del Toro flying. Wellens yep. flying. Put those two guys to pace super hard and other riders and they put it in a line and you just made Sector 7 pre-coverage super hard. Everyone's on the limit and then you launch Pogacar. But it's almost like an imperceptible change of pace. It wasn't even on like a a really steep kicker, but it was in a line. He saw he had Coos off the wheel and then he just puts it down. And because whoever's in P10, P12 is like 15 meters back, it's already yep. over. And yeah, like, do you want to that's, that's the race over? Because Coos, uh, who was in his wheel, who tried to close him down, Coos DNFs this race. So yep. I do wonder, like, if Pidcock's in his wheel, if Colson's in his wheel, if Van Hill's is in his wheel. Do they go with him a bit longer? Maybe. Maybe they go with him there. Um, but if you can go there, then you can go again. There's Latolfa, there's other sectors. So yeah, that was, to cut a short story short, that's the race over. Like, Pagash is not going to crack in a one-day race solo. Exactly. And then you start thinking about, okay, Pagash has a gap. Let's say it's 30 seconds right now. It's a few minutes after he attacked. He already has 30 seconds. But obviously, we're still on the on the segment, we're still on the Monte Santa Maria segment, and then we see what's happening behind, and obviously there's no real rider that has a domestique in the front end rider, so we're looking at individuals trying to see, oh, should I go, should I not go? A few riders sitting in because they're like, okay, I can't follow that tempo of Pogacar, so I should stay in this group and reconsider what's possible afterwards. And then Maxim von Hill starts a solo chase, and I think this was a bad move by von Hills, as in, he looked one of the strongest riders on Monte Santa Maria straight up, but the problem is that if you attack here, it's kind of like that move that Carlos Rodriguez did two years ago with Pogacar also attacking, where yeah. he had basically a, a chasse-patas move, a, a potato chase is what they call it. He is then 20 seconds in front of the peloton group for a while. Meanwhile, Pogacar just keeps grabbing more seconds compared to the rest after, after eight kilometers. I bet the gap is like one minute from Pogacar to the peloton group, but on Hills is like 20 seconds ahead of everybody for for quite a bit and it takes him like 10 to 15 kilometers to to get cold back i would expect i would expect the car to then step in and say come on drop back there's no point for this because he's losing time to pogacar which is obvious he's not going to gain time on pogacar on hills was strong but he's not he's not pogacar 
and you won't get anything out of being in that position. So I think the team car or himself should have realized earlier than 10 to 15 kilometers that that was going nowhere at that point. And group two is what I will call it. Yeah. The, the, the peloton group, the favorites are what's left of it. We've got two riders of Ineos at the start in that group. So we've got Sheffield pacing for Pitcock. Eventually, Adams one is also part of that. So that's a situation, to be honest. Like 10 to 15 kilometers after Pogacar's attack, it's obvious to me that he's going to win because you're going to realize that this group with the Ineos riders, they won't just keep pacing the entire race. First of all, they're losing time to Pogacar as they're pacing because Pogacar is faster than Sheffield and Adensman, even combined. And in addition to that, it is inevitable that we will eventually get to a hill where someone will attack, the group will split, there will be no domestiques, and we'll have group two syndrome. So for me, the race for first was completely over, like you said, and it was all a race for second. And I feel like Ineos was the only team that was still kind of trying for a bit for first. Yeah, I think other teams like Visma Lab clearly gave up immediately. Yeah. The second Pagasha attack, Visma gave up. They didn't. They had four guys in the group. Didn't help Aaronsman chase yep. it all. I know Valter didn't look good. Tullet was there for a bit. Kuss eventually abandoned the race, and Laporte ended up being the strongest rider. But yeah, teams like that with four in the group, no chase. Yeah, Simmons. We we forgot to mention shit. Simmons when coverage started was solo ahead. Um, hasn't worked out for him in like E three or this race. So just keeps doing it, I guess. Um. Uh, he was in the group with with Schoens maybe. Uh, there's, there's other riders, like Lotto, because Van Hills is ahead, aren't pulling with uh, Van Aetvelt or whoever they got there. It's a decent-sized group, but it takes so long for like a domestique like Aaronsman to come back. Yeah, Bus Someone like Intermarché Bulsato, he's not going to pull full gas with yeah. other good riders in his wheels. And Pagaccia goes from it's one minute... It's a wonder minute, he's there. Yeah, exactly. But he goes from one minute to two minutes unbelievably fast. I, uh, and yep. not even on like a hard parkour. It's like, and I knew it would happen because the second he goes, everyone gives up, yep. which I understand because you know, you're know you going to ruin your race chasing him like Van Hills nearly did. So it's, um, and, and also Pikachu, he looked like he's doing it easier than the guys in the group. Like Aronson's pulling full gas on the flat and Pikachu's taking time. Two things. First of all, Screens had a bit of bad luck during this race. I think he crashed together with Simmons in the, in the chasing group at a certain point. And a bit later, he also had a, a bike change as a consequence of that. So he had to do a lot of chasing, which is important to mention in this, this phase of the race. We're talking about 70k to go to 40k to go. And eventually Von Hills does get caught because he, he realizes, like I said, after 15k or so of doing it solo that he ain't going anywhere. So he's dropping back to the group, which was a a wise decision in hindsight very much but now a question so we're at this phase in the race group two has given up when it comes to the victory at a certain point uae rider was at the front Adamson goes Adamson goes oh, up yeah. the front uae rider just uh, soft i gotta say tim wellens despicable today despicable <laughs> what do you like, mean oh like come on blocking blocking the chase when they're not even chasing when the gap is three minutes like come on man there's, hey. there's, a, there's a limit. The game's the game, my friend. <laughs> yeah, but uh, just write for your own result. <laughs> like, get on the podium. <laughs> I will say, from my memory, going back to all the cycling races I've seen ever since I was born in 1997, the only riders that I can straight up remember have made a solo happen for which the second group immediately or almost immediately gave up for the victory was Pogacar, Remco, and I'm going through Cancellara and Bonin in my head, but I can't even think of an addition where that they straight up gave up. Yeah, I, I'm, I obviously didn't watch cycling for a long time, so I don't know, <laughs> but Remco has the same phenomenon sometimes, but even with Pogacar, I think it's even more. As particularly in this race where last year he did, or 2022, he did a 50k solo. Like, uh, there's just no, on this sort of parkour, he's unstoppable. And uh, there's not really much more to say on him. Like, we're going to talk more about Group 2 now because there's more to talk about. But yeah, Pogacar's just, he rides away solo and wins by like three minutes. He never yep. looks under pressure. He looks smooth the whole time, doesn't mistake a corner just about. And um, 
Impressive. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most impressive wins of a long time. That sort of gap in a World Tour one-day race is, is massive. An 80K solo first race of the year. Um, it's weird because yeah. it's super impressive. Don't get me wrong. It's super impressive what he does here, but it doesn't change anything about how I feel about Pogacar because I expected him to win by a minute, a minute and a half anyway yeah. in this race. To do it with three minutes and attack with 81 kilometers to go, was expecting it to open up on Santimadi, but not necessarily that he immediately goes solo from that point onwards. It could have been a smaller group where he attacks away again and then eventually wins. But it's like, we know he could do this. We knew that already. And the issue for me is he needs to win the Tour de France, which this won't change for me, which doesn't change anything about how impressive this was. Yeah, I mean, a different... Uh... Yeah, probably yeah, different physiological requirements. But here he is clearly the when best. Ma and maybe, you know, maybe there's there's nothing wrong with the parkour because there was a, there was a good race behind. Then it's really there's like a there's a Pagacha problem in that he is so much better than everybody else, particularly with no Remco, no Vanderpool here. He is so much better than yep. everybody else, who are still the elite world tour riders, the elite leaders of FDJ, Visma, uh Lotto. Uh, Nayland's trek, he's the Wait. gap is huge. You're naming those names. Which riders could have changed the way this race went? I agree, Vanderpool or Monte Santa Marie would have perhaps been able to follow if he was the inform kind of Vanderpool. Yeah, something he probably wouldn't even be informed. Remco, gravel. That's where yeah. I'm like, on paper, I'd expect him to do it, but the gravel might might give him the the fear the of his life. Yeah, Vingegaard. One day, Vingegaard, I'm still nah, come on. looking for him. I'm still <laughs> yeah, looking for him. <laughs> doesn't exist. And Wild Fanat, he needs to have one of his best days of his career to, to make a major difference on this race too. But it, it would have been maybe a fight after Monte Santa Marie, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that's from At least like Van der Poel, I actually expected Pickcock not, Pickcock was out of position there. You know, yeah. I would have expected him to be there last year's winner, at least not to beat Pagacha, but to yeah. not just get dropped straight away. But the, the function of this race is that, yeah, when someone like that has a gap and they give up behind, that's it. And yeah, like, uh, whether he wins by three minutes, four minutes, two minutes is more a function of the chase behind than how much he keeps pushing. And there's no need for him to keep pushing to five minutes, six minutes when, yeah, yeah there's no need. Uh, so yeah, Pagacha wins. Let's talk about the chase behind. <laughs> Uh, Van Hills is brought back and everyone gives up and now I gotta give credit to the TV production they do just focus on group 2 quite a lot yeah. uh, which is where actually all the action is so if you pretended Pagacha didn't exist it was actually some interesting stuff happening behind uh, there's attack Healy starts to really put the pressure on attacking 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 over and over and over again himself and um, he doesn't get anywhere with it because Van Hills is there really strong Nalens is there really strong He's being marked. Valters goes out the back. He didn't look like he was on a good day. Yeah. Uh, Laporte then becomes the only guy for Visma. Madawaz returns from wherever the hell he was. Formula is there. Kamna returns. And there's an attack by the two Frenchmen. Yeah. It's uh, Romain Bardet and Benoit. Benoit goes on the attack. And we've got those two Frenchmen basically creating a, a chain reaction of attacks, as in Van Aetveld starts to follow, Sheffield starts to follow, Nylans, Wellens, still doing shit, Mohoric, Busato, very strong race by that guy, super young, still Italian on Antomarché, Formolo, Madua, Healy, and Kemna, that's a group that gets created, and this might have four riders in that group, and they missed the split completely, but I think at least half of the riders was because they couldn't, because didn't seem to be having the energy for it. Walter had been dropped 15 times at this point. I'm, I mean, every single time the shot went to the group, Walter was dropping and eventually he came back to the group. Like, how many times did that man drop and come back? Yeah, he didn't seem to be on his... Because like last year he was really good and he was uh, yeah. maybe top three strongest in the race uh, behind Pidcock. But yeah, he didn't seem to be on a good day. Tullet was there initially. But yeah, Laporte eventually comes over to that move. Uh, we don't really see how that came across, but he comes back yeah. and that group forms with uh, Pidcock rejoins it. And uh, Laporte, as well as, yeah, like Morridge, Wellens is there, of course, Camner, yeah. Busato, Formula. And it's, an, it's a nice group and it, it sort of shed a lot of the dead weight. And then, but then there's going to be re attacks again. 
yeah. and Van Gils and Leonard Van Aethveld send it. I don't know if I think it was Latolfe, second last Latolfe. Yeah. They just send it. Uh, really, really impressive. I thought the two of them were going to go away, but actually Van Hills drops Leonard Van Aethveld and yeah. goes away on his own. But this time there's a big gap, and this time there's no one really else chasing uh, properly or no Aaronsman to push behind. My first reaction was, Maxim, Maxim, wait, wait for Leonard, wait. Because yeah. Leonard was dropping from his wheel, and I was like, if they can get away with two of them and maybe one competitor, this group can run, and they're definitely going to stay ahead, you know? That, that's the, the vibe I was getting at that moment. We, we didn't see Tom screens at this point. He was still, like, returning from all the chaos that happened to him during the race. Oh, yeah, Queen Simmons crashed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, he was still in his comeback story from the crash and the bike <laughs> change. <laughs> well, yeah. Quinn Simmons crashed him. He, he did. He, he, was, he, was, he was doing something with his bike computer or his radio and hit a pothole <laughs> and just decked it in front of Squins. <laughs> You're making it sound like he, he wrote it to him on purpose. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Squins maybe felt that way. He rode the bike off him <laughs> and rode off <laughs> as he should. But... But Hales went solo, like you said, and I gotta be honest, there was a moment there where I was doubting, is this even a good idea? Like, you've yeah, done this far. once before, is, is he gonna be able to hold this? And once the gap started, kept going, and then we saw the group behind deteriorating even more, then I was like, okay, this might actually be a good move. So that's one of those moves where the first one he did, shouldn't have done it. This move, terrified, but ended up becoming a good outcome, because he stayed ahead while... People behind started attacking, and one of those attacks was the man you just mentioned, the man we just mentioned, the man that hit the floor earlier, that had a new bike, that came back throughout all the chaos, and attacked once again Tom Squins, and holy shit, that guy's in good form. He Ooh, rode yeah. towards Von Hills, all solo, and I Close felt like when, it, when he joined Von Hills, I was like, okay, this is the podium. Yeah, for sure, because they rip out the gap to 130, to the now group three field with Cosnefoir, Morich, Wellens, Laporte, Pidcock, I think Sheffield's gone at this point. Maduaz or Lenny is also, I think, <clears throat> Formalino. And yeah, you if you wanted a podium result, this is it. And I think Pidcock, he missed it. Pidcock missed it. And then yep. he eventually attacks, but the gap was 130 and two strong guys like Van Hills and Schoens relaying with, I don't know, 20, 25 Ks to go. Peacock's not closing 90 seconds uh, when the level between them all is pretty yep. similar. So, uh, well, not even. When, when Van Hills and Scoins look like the strongest in the race after Poggy. So, uh, maybe Peacock didn't, didn't want to show his hand, but yeah, it was too late then. And those two go clear to Siena themselves. Van Hills attacks on the climb into the piazza, but actually Scoins counters him right at the top. He's got, Scoins is like a, he's got no snap. Yeah, but he just can hold that really high, and so he just closes Van Hills and then continues at the same pace, and Van Hills is done for, and he's just like off the wheel slowly. Then, uh, do you wonder if Van Hills not doing that earlier attack would have given him enough to to maybe beat Squins? Nah, because I take Squins in the little in uh, to sprint him over the top of him at the top. Uh, oh, okay, I think Squins was the strongest. And, uh, well, not, not over the whole race. I think Van Hills was stronger than Schoen's over the whole race, but Van Hills, did, Van Hills did a shitload of work. I, my ranking for this race, Pogacar was the strongest, obviously. But on the second spot, I have Van Hills, Screens, and I was actively considering putting Wellens on the second spot, but I think I'll go and put him on the third spot. Uh, I don't know where Wellens finished in the end. Uh, I would not put him there because he got dropped out of the top 10 and he didn't do any work and those guys were all working, so I wouldn't put him there. <laughs> um, well, he didn't and he got to sit in. So, yeah, I think, to be honest, with, with Strahada, the actual the top 10 really reflects the strength of all the, the relevant riders. Pagacha with a 2.44 gap to Schoens in second and Hill's third, then a minute gap to Pidcock in fourth on his own. He closed. He did close 30 seconds to them. Maybe they cat and mouse, knowing they had a bit of margin to play with in the three, four Ks in the run into the final climb. Morich in fifth on 4.26. Benoit, probably his best result for quite a while, uh, in sixth on 4.39, beating Formolo. That's a nice result for Movistar. Uh, in seventh on 4.41. Lenny Martinez, who got drafted into this race at late notice because Madawa's form was a bit shaky uh, after a crash and because he won Trofeo La Guelia on Wednesday. 
He finishes in 8th, ahead of Zana for Jaco in 9th, and Laporte rounds out the top 10, beating uh, Van Aertveld and Healy. Healy probably feels he could have got a better result. I dare say... Yeah, Healy, if he t- with a bit of a different approach to the race, I think finishes could finish top five. Maybe that's a bit too generous. Um, but yeah, there's, that's the race, Benji. That's the race. I'll be honest. Not a great viewing experience. Like, it's super impressive what Pogacar did, but I'll watch races to see who wins. And yes, this fight for a second was good, but outside of that, the race was boring. Yeah, it was uh, not the most memorable. Edi- <laughs> well, I mean, like it is memorable. I don't historically, know. historically, it is memorable. Yeah. Historically, it's memorable, but it's like a Renko Liège solos or Renko in Fuguera Classic in Portugal. Like once they go solo and they're the strongest yeah. guy in the race, and everyone's looking in Group Two behind you, like, well, this is not particularly enthralling entertainment. Um, but in terms of history and uh, as a feat, obviously very, very impressive. And Pagach is obviously start of the season without putting a foot wrong and looking, you know, he finished winning Lombardia last year as his last race and he opened Jaén Paracio Anterior, he started last year and he, he seems to be starting on the, the same foot in 2024, but obviously he's not doing, unusually he's not doing Tirreno uh, on Monday, which is a shame <laughs> if I, I've been skeptical about one cycling Benji, but if, if they yeah. can figure out a way to make Poggy and Jonas have to and and Remco and Roglic in one all in one one week race, imagine in the, the Hammer series. Imagine <laughs> we have a World Tour one week starting next week for spring, the first World Tour serious World Tour European one week. Yeah, and all these guys are they're all in good form. And Poggy's doing Catalonia, Jonas doing Torino, Rog, Remco, Paranis, which is good. At least there's two there. But it's like imagine the four together in one, in Torino. It would be. Unbelievable. Um, and the thing with the tour as well is you'll have the four together, but you'll have a Pogaccio that at the Giro. So I wish they just started the bloody Tour de France all four together at their best. Well, that's his choice. I know, but I wish it was my choice. <laughs> no, I wish I could you... ch- choose their, their schedule. <laughs> exactly. Maybe... <laughs> Giro becomes two weeks. There's another there's more of a gap to do an altitude camp before the tour. I'd be sending all of them to the GP Monster next week. No, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. May, still... I'm going. I know what that is, but... Uh, Chat, GPT generated race 101. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's food for thought. You know, all these guys are in good shape. And it's... Uh, I remember 2021, the first year I had the rights to show you the highlights of races when they all dodged each other. Uh, Roglic and Pog and... Um, I'm glad at least in in uh, Paranese will have two of the big guns going uh, going head to head. But do, does this change how you feel about San Remo for Poggy? No, you think uh, Van der really. Poel's still still the favorite? Yeah, I think Van der Poel is still the favorite. I would does say Poggy that... need to go on Chipresa? Like we've, we've in, if the wind is right. Well, Don't you think now, looking at what we saw today, if he gets a 10, 15 second gap and Alperson don't have a domestique, could he, he Why could would he they do not it? have a domestique over the Gipressa, though? I Pro think Anderson so. exists. Yeah, I, think, I heard he was not, he had an injury or something, so they took him out of some races. There's a giant fly trying to attack me right now, and I'm not having it. So, no clue what you just said. I feel like Soren Kra had an injury or some issue because he was supposed to do a, a race and then they took him out of it. But I think uh, I would, I would, if I was UAE, I would do something different than have Wellens just launch Poggy, bring Vanderpool across, then Vanderpool counters and Vanderpool wins. Um, maybe, but it also depends on the wind conditions. But certainly he looks in uh, really, really good shape, Pagacha. So, um, they, and the team. The team also is functioning really, really well in one-day races, even without him, with Wellens and Pollitt on opening weekend and Morgado and Del Toro and Jan Christen in Trofeo La Guelia, although the tactics there were horrific, but Jan Christen was really, really <laughs> strong. Um, so they're, all, they're firing on all cylinders, really, UAE in the, in the one-day races uh, this year. That's all Mate, for the men's, Benji. That's all for the men's. It's not a fly, by the way, a bit of an update. It's a Visma Lisa bike B that's involved here. 
So yeah, well, they're invading my house. Yeah, that's what you get house. for leaving the Dutch team to go to the Belgian team. <laughs> hey, the Belgian team. There's reprisals. The Belgian team just won the Grand Prix Cricalion, my friend. They unfortunately, uh, they unfortunately beat Henry Ulich by doing so, but... Oh, yeah, so Alex Segard, he's actually... Pre- I quite like him. He's good. He was Don't good you dare try team. and get him. When's he out of contract? <laughs> <laughs> all right that's all from the men's race uh go check out our women's coverage or if you're listening on pop players that'll continue now thanks very much to join for supporting us and sponsoring this episode here we have the women's race strada bianca donna 2024 starts bright and early before the men's race and we had rainy conditions over Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Nice, although it really wasn't muddy on the course at all. It actually looked like really good conditions for Strada Bianca. No dust, but also when you look at the jerseys of the finishers, including white jerseys, not much mud either compared to say the Benoit Bardet edition in 2018 <laughs> where it was a mud fest so actually good conditions and maybe even quick conditions the women's race 138 kilometers long starting in Siena and then they do a loop back to Siena up the famous Piazza del Campo they made the race for the women the same length but a little bit harder this year with a few more uh gravel sectors and climbs and it finishes up up Siena on that final famous ramp up to the piazza. It's got Latolfe, 600 meters, 8.6%. It's got Pinzuto, 600 meters, 7.7%. And they do two laps of that uh, where we wouldn't really... It doesn't have Monte Santa Maria, Benji. So that's where the men's race sometimes open. That's what's missing and the big difference here, right? Yeah, I'm curious what that would lead towards in, in the women's race because I feel like the race would probably open up earlier. The, the shifting, uh, that's probably a, a Dutch term, but like the... The splitting of the peloton would happen earlier and it would become a, a more women versus women fight towards the end, I reckon. But I think it's pretty okay how it is. And we started off this race with 65 kilometers to go, roughly, uh, when, when the broadcast was soon to be starting. And the, the tickers just before the broadcast started said that on the, on the San Martino in Grania sector, with about 65 kilometers to go, you know, X was reportedly upping the tempo and... We got to keep in mind, there's no real breakaway at this point. It's just, you know, X really upping the tempo and maybe some other teams involved in that, but it reduces the peloton to 60 riders. So that's where that thought about Monte Sante Maria would come in, as in, imagine if that is Monte Sante Maria and instead, which is a harder sector in my head, then we might have a, a group of 30 after that, which would be pretty chaotic with 60k to go, but I'm all for chaos, as you know. 10 kilometers later, Monte Aperti, that's the... Uh, the sector after that, if I recall correctly, multiple attacks in the peloton, and eventually that leads to a group of eight, which then becomes a group of 11, which becomes our breakaway for a bit. And that's actually a very interesting group because we've had this discussion so many times, Patrick, Barry Roubaix last year. Yeah. We had a group that won the head, and as D-Works responds to breakaways by putting a rider that is not their leader or not their all-out leader, Michel Bredewald is a good rider, yeah, in that group. Champion. Exactly. So you, you'd think that if you're any other team in this group, this is what you want, right? Oh, yeah. Every time. You, if you're Visma Lisa by perfect situation, Rihanna Marcus in good shape, you'd rather she battles Misha Bredevold than maybe Voss battles Kopecky and Vollering. Yep. If you're Little Trek, I would think, in theory, I thought, you would be happy for Lizzie Dignan to battle Misha Bredevold yep. rather than Van Enroy and, and ELB battle the two big guns. So, and then if they're not chasing behind and you've got strong riders, Krach won in UAE Tour, EF have got Borghese, Bradbury was good on her feet in UAE Tour, Castellan won a Tour de France stage last year. It's a strong group. Emilio Usyk, yep. strong rider on UAE. All, uh, pretty much every team of note is represented except for uh, Jayco, maybe, initially. Correct. 
Uh, but they're not going to chase behind either. So it really well, was just Mavi Garcia. Uh, Mavi Garcia did miss it. Exactly. And there was a certain moment where Mavi on one of the gravel sectors came to the front and actually started speeding up a bit. And I was like, at first I was like, oh, she's at UAE, but she isn't at UAE anymore. So that was a stupid thought. But she was trying to up the tempo a bit. And that's kind of the thing you don't want if you're those other teams. You want SD works to be forced to chase behind. So the more teams that are represented in this front group, the better for you. And if you're SD works, you're kind of on the edge of like, you're kind of bluffing, you know? You, you don't want to pace behind. You want to hope that somebody else takes over that is not involved in that front group because you don't fully trust Breda World either against those riders, I reckon. She is one of the strongest riders in that group, 100%. But I'd rather fight with Volring and Kopecki in the peloton against the rest is my headspace for that. But it's truly Colipinzuto and Latolfe that start kicking things off between 50 and 43 kilometers ago. This is the first iteration of those two climbs. Pinzotwe, there was a crash reported in the peloton. I've got no clue who crashed there, but it's the run in towards the top where the favorite starts getting slimmer because Kopecki moves to the front and starts hitting it before the segment even starts. And Latolfe is that one where you've got like this slight downhill segment going into yeah. the ramp, eh? So you, you've got Kopecki going into that ramp with with speed, and just as he hit the gravel sector, she actually almost crashed, as in she was like adjusting the head unit. And then ended up in a bit of a pit in the gravel, but she held it upright and she does attack on Latolf with 43 kilometers to go, splitting the group. And we get a group that is now Volring, Kopecki, Fisher Black, so three SD Works riders, Mariana Vos, Molman, Puck Peterson, once again very strong here, Xavi, Nivia Doma, so two riders from Canyon Shram, Longo Borghini, and Valandro, so two riders from Little Track. But we still have that group ahead, of course, that is slowly but surely losing riders but were you surprised to see after Latolfe both as works and Canyon Shram pays that group yeah well Canyon Shram again I don't know why anyone's helping SD works you have a rider in the breakaway okay she might not win but you can still play that card and mm -hmm. they're pulling you've got Nuvia Doma sitting third wheel Fisher Black's pulling and it's like you look at the front on the image just copy what SD works leaders are doing like there's a reason that when Fisher Black is pulling on these rolling sections, Volring and Kopecki are sitting mid in the middle of the group getting a good draft. And yep. Mulman, Nuvia Doma just sitting like Fisher Black's giving them no draft. And, and then they also got a teammate pulling. You should be using, Nuvia Doma should be using her teammates to do a Tim Wellen style Poggio lead out for Pagaccia. Yep. Shabby just go full gas for 30 seconds to launch Nivia Doma, who I think was the best puncher in this race. Pure puncher. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and maybe the best pure puncher in the world on like a steep ramp. But uh, pulling, I just, on principle, until further notice, I will never help SD Works if I'm another team. And I have any reason <laughs> to. I will never help them. Ever. There are such limited situations where you would do that. And they have a teammate not... there. Spend Fisher Black. Exactly. And talking about teammates, we're now going to 38 kilometers to go. There's a crash in the front group in a, in a bend. And it seems like a bend where multiple riders crashed because... Everyone crashes The image, the image in, in, we saw was... Go ahead. Well, no, sorry. This is the Sheffield bend, if I'm not mistaken. I swear yeah. Chef crashed here or C-Rod. You're right. You're right. Crash by Bredewold is what we see together with Anushka Koster. Bredewold slids out. And Koster is unable to, yeah, she's kind of panicking while she tries to avoid Bedewald and doesn't do so. So she ends up crashing too. But what I didn't see, but I think it was Jens Decker that said it on Twitter, is that Dignan crashed a bit ahead of that as well from that group. Because a bit later I saw Dignan drop and I was like, ooh, I expected Lizzie Dignan to be a bit better here. But she had crashed as well, which, which makes it make sense in my head. But Bedewald dropping out of that front group, even though SD Works was already pacing behind, will give them even more incentive to pace. Yeah. And outside of that, doesn't that reduce the incentive of everybody else to pace, except Little Trek, who also crashed with Dainen. So we get this switch. The breakaway is now three riders, Amber Krak, Rianne Marcus, and uh, Amal Yusik. So we've got Visma, we've got uh, Amal Yusik, uh, FDG, and UAE. Those are the three teams up there. And because Dining crashed, we now see her pacing in the group behind, ahead of Amanda Spratt, Van Androoy, and Longo Borghini. Yeah. 
This is work that is the work should have done and not Little Trek. If I'm Little Trek, I'm never doing that. No, because it's not like I get it when I get it when you think if we don't pull the breakaway, really we'll win. But the breakaway wasn't going to win. It was like 20 exactly. seconds, 22 seconds. Like, you can gamble there. Like, and they got Fisher Black coming back to the group. Make them pull. And what makes matters worse for this, Benji? And this is like, I, I'll start with the positive before I go on a little rant. The positive <laughs> is today for this race, once again, like in Omlope, the physical level between the two SD Works leaders and the other team's leaders was very close. Yes. And much more equal compared to last year. And that's very positive. And so that's why we get to talk about tactics and what people could have done differently. Because if Kopecky rides away with 20Ks to go and wins by two minutes, there's no point talking about tactics. Yeah. But here, the race was very, the level was very close. And not only is it insane to, to pull with Diagnon, they even got gifted the insight into what will happen if they played numbers. Because a human-powered health rider loses Diagnon's wheel through a corner. Yeah. Diagnon accelerates. Kopecky closes her. She spends 40 seconds chasing Diagnon full gas, yeah. closing her. I'm like, not only you won't just burn Fisher, like their leaders, SD Works, you put a little bit of pressure on them to make a decision and they're making the wrong decision and burning energy. And, and then after that happened, Diagnon just went back to pulling again with four Trek riders. Exactly. And the, the moment that really shown it true for me is that when they end up catching the breakaway riders on the Montechiaro section with about 28k to go is my pure guess. There's this perfect moment to attack. Dignan is kind of done with her pull, but Spratt is still there. Shirin van Anderweide is, is there and Longoborghini is there. Spratt didn't look like she would survive much longer, but this is kind of the moment, no, because if you catch that breakaway, there's this moment before anyone else will take over. And if you, the one that were pacing, are the one to attack, then you're once again forcing SD Works to respond to that. And that's a moment where they might not see it instantly coming. If you make a race hard and you reduce the group to 10, 12 riders and they no longer have domestiques, you get over the crest of a climb and you stop, there will be attacks. So you may as well be the team doing it. Because yep. FDJ jump with somebody, Phoenix to Koenig jump with somebody. Uh, Marcus is jumping, Voss is jumping, even other leaders are jumping. It may as well be Sharon Van Anroyd going with an FDJ rider who will cooperate with her. Because if you don't, and you get to the last Latolfe, they're going to get dropped or gapped. And then those attacks do come on the gravel section where people are expecting it. If you want to play your numbers, I'd play it before or after a a gravel section, no? Because in Coli Pinzuto, we get the attack of Shiren van Androoy, following countering that with Nivia Doma, etc., etc. ELB forcing you close with Kopecky in the wheel. That's, that's an interesting one. And Voss also in the wheel. Then, for Peterson, like you said, for Phoenix making that attack, Volrain closes. We get to see what happens when, when anybody attacks on gravel sectors. Everybody's ready to respond to that. And there's limited splits by the end of the segment. So, the place to attack for me is outside of the gravel segments. Yeah, because the SD Works leaders are on their own now. Two SD Works, and I was looking at them and I was thinking, they don't look dominant. Kopecky's not snap closing everything. She's even when a group one goes with three riders and then there's a group yeah. two with three riders. She's in group three, hoping it comes back. Voss is marking her like a hawk. And I saw her about 22 Ks to go. Kopecky unzips her jersey fully. She's rooting through her jersey, looking maybe she got a gel tucked into her bib. She's looking, and then, then she goes to a Uno X soigneur who pulls the bid on away, doesn't give it to her, and then she's like angry she didn't get the bid on. It's like, I'm sorry, you guys <laughs> have got the biggest budget in women's cycling. Yeah. You can put some more soigneurs on the side of the road. Um, and I was thinking, because that doesn't mean she's bonking, but what that means, it's a mental tell that the rider is thinking... Yeah. Energy, my energy. I need, I need some food, and that's a tell about something that they're, yeah, that they might not feel their best. If she just feels a million bucks, and I think remember last year they've already got one rider up the road at this point. Yeah. So I just didn't feel like they would, and this was the phase to work them over. Yeah, and I felt like 
when Kopecky was so passive during this phase, because like you said, she was in that third group and then Voss started bridging towards the front and she didn't respond to Voss during that moment. She no. kind of had Van Androoy pace the group back towards Elisa Longo-Borghini. So I really feel like Little Trek made a few mistakes here and there in this, in this final few segments. But when it comes to... Um, and finish the Koenig. Because Peterson had attacked... Yeah. Got attacked over the top of. Nuvia Doma was... I'm, I think Nuvia Doma was super strong on the steep sections. And then after that section, Schweinberger comes back. Fifth at World's Road Race last year, Schweinberger. She's mm-hmm. a good rider. She's the perfect workhorse to go up the road in those in-between sections you mentioned. And then into the next Latolfe, or the last Latolfe Benji, Phoenix de Koenig just set up a train to pace. I'm like, you're just burning your option to then get dropped and Schweinberger is going to get dropped. Like if Schweinberger goes and counters on the flat there, she could get over Latolfe and then Peter Sir can sit in the wheels and then maybe SD Works have to pull. She also had to be, because Phoenix de Koenig, I really liked him as a team. They really try things. I like Cashline, but I think Peter Sir, I listened to some of her interviews. I love the confidence, but you're, she's not as good as Kapeki and Volering. And she needs to accept that and play it a little bit differently. I think so as well. And like at this point, we're reaching that we're reaching that Latolfe climb, right? We we've had the Phoenix de Koenig lead out into Latolfe with Schweinberger, with Kostlein, with Peterse. But the fact that they were there with three, despite the the the, the things you said about their tactics, they they were there with three, which to me means that in a race that might be a slight bit easier towards the end. This might turn out differently where they could compete with, uh, with their team. I think Peterson got also eighth at Omlop. So I think there's quite a bit of strength in that team that I hadn't anticipated them to be there with three. But anyway, back to the race. Lutolfe, that's where it's about to uh, come down. And Shabby's the one that launches into the bottom. Niviadoma in the wheel. And this is kind of what you mentioned, right? The lead out in the, in the gradual downhill segment into the... The ramp of Latolfe. Is Latolfe the perfect segment for Nivia Doma, or would you say it's not long enough? I think it's pretty I think it's pretty good. She had yeah. the others under pressure because yeah, as I mentioned, the physical level, she she has Volering and Gopeki like on the limit. They're they she attacks all the way to the top and they're not uh yeah, they they can't counterattack her immediately. Also, and then we get an interesting group forms after Latolfe Van Anroy. And ELB for Trek. ELB look very strong. Volering and Kapeki for SD Works, the two race favorites. And and Kashinovidoma now isolated. Shabby was trying to bridge back, but she she cracked. Voss, by the way, got obliterated on this section. She yeah. like she full cracked and like also race over. Marcus actually finishes 40 seconds ahead of her. Um and again I was thinking with little Trek. And SD Works tactics today I think were really good. I gotta say, it's SD Works yep. tactics, playing, being passive, not being too overconfident, w- letting other teams use them. Here, yeah. SD Works initiate in this group, and they say we're not going to let Van Anroy and ELB work us over. We're not going to go to the finish with Nivia Doma because who knows on Siena she could even win there. And Volering attack and attacks, and I was like, that also Van Anroy. I thought they would attack, but anyway, then Capecchi counters after Nivia Doma. And Nivia Doma is doing so much; she also just did Latolfe. Kapeki attacks. ELB waits two seconds and then sprints and like attacks Kashia and gets to Kapeki's wheel. Yep. Van Anroy is maybe three, four seconds, five seconds behind Volering and uh, Numi Doma at this point. Should there's an argument for there's two sides to this, Benji. If you're Longa Borghini and you're with mm-hmm. one SD Works rider, it's easier to manage. And also you could end up stronger and you're not going to get worked by the two. The other argument is, should you, if you're Elisa Longaborghini, pull 80% of the time for 12, 15 kilometers to the finish with the race favorite world champion in your wheel to keep Kashinuvi Doma behind you? I don't necessarily think that is the ideal situation. The way, the way I see it is that you got to choose who you're going to fight against. If you get caught again, you're fighting at Niviadoma, but also against Volring, and yeah. Van Androoy had just dropped before already, so it's not like Van Androoy will be able to do that much going into the final here. So, that's one thing I keep in mind. It's, it's kind of one and a half against one versus two. So, 
That's how I view that situation. And then I'm thinking, you rather have the chance against Kopecky from the front? Yes, I'd rather have the chance against Kopecky from the front, but doing 80% of the work, I probably wouldn't enjoy either. So I would have, it's a hard situation, but is there a way that Longo Borghini could have bluffed a bit more and got Kopecky to do some more? Because if this gets caught and maybe Volring goes again, and maybe Longo Borghini gets in that one with Kopecky behind then, that's a more perfect situation. And it's also like, I think she maybe thought she was stronger than Kopecky. And I think she, at times she was in this race even stronger, but I just, it's difficult. I, I maybe she doesn't like Cassia. I remember in Amstel Gold Race, she threw both their races in 21, but <laughs> I think she did too much. And yeah. Kopecky, played, Kopecky played it really, really well. Volering also pulling behind makes sense to keep pressure on ELB so that she can't get a big gap in pulling. Especially also knowing, well, especially the segment in the last three kilometers is where she did too much work in my yeah. opinion. Because then she's literally doing the lead in towards the Santa Catarina climb. And we got to talk about the differences for a second here. We're entering the last three kilometers, 20 seconds between Kopecky and Longoborghini versus the group with Volring, with Nivia Doma. But we've got some other people coming there. Faulkner ended up catching back towards yeah, that group. very strong again. Um, Van Androoy got back to that group for a little bit there. But it was pretty visible to me that Volring and Kasha were still the strongest. Kasha wasn't sure about because she did a lot of work at this point and her work cost her quite a bit in this race as well. But some work she was kind of forced to do because of the situation she was in. So that's a difference. 20 seconds right now and Longoborghini just keeps pulling and I wonder if she was aware of the time gap. 20 seconds isn't that much, but it's also something to play with. And I felt like she just kept pacing into the bottom of Santa Catarina and you're just pacing with Kopecky and you will. You're basically doing a lead out because Kopecky's going to drop you like a brick the second you hit that climb. And not even the second. That's the problem for, like, Kopecky's like an explosive rider and then she does the steady pace on the climb. We get to the Siena climb and ELB's tired at this point and she doesn't have that snap to attack. There's no moment to attack. Kopecky's been sitting on her for five minutes. And then basically Kopecky's aiming for a launch point, 20 seconds to 15 seconds from the top to do a sprint. And she's going to do her sprint there, and that's what happens. ELB does a lead out, Kopecky launches, uh, and, and wins comfortably by four seconds. Uh, and well-deserved victory for her. I think the tactics of SD Works today were really, really good because even when Bredevold was in the group ahead, they didn't let that group get out of control. They didn't overextend with Volring or Kopecky. I think both those who managed the group dynamics in the last 35Ks really, really well, even if, I think Kopecky maybe said afterwards, according to Mihai Simeon, that she didn't have her best legs today. And I really, yep. I believe her. Yep. Because in, with her best, best, best legs, she like counterattacks after Latolfe and no one sees her again. And she would always respond to someone like Voss bridging from group three yeah, to group yeah. two to group one. She, she would 100% respond to those moves, and she did. Then even the, the moment where Peterson tried to bridge together with the teammate towards the front, I think with 20-ish Ks to go, she didn't respond there either, and that clicked something to me where I was like, either she's saving energy for the end, or she's not feeling her best. And I think it's a combination of both. Not feeling her best with trying to save some energy because of that. And in the end, it paid off because she literally dropped Elisa Longo-Borghini like a brick on Santa Catarina, and once you have a solid gap, once you pass the corner with a solid gap, you're going yeah, to end over. first on Piazza del Campo. It's over. It's a victory for Kopecky, and she didn't win last year. We're not counting it. I'm sorry. Second. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she won two years ago, no? Yeah, 22. Yeah, I thought so. Against Van Vleuten, if I recall correctly. So two victories of Strada Bianca for Kopecky now, but like you said earlier in this podcast, the differences between SD Works and the rest are close enough that I'm expecting a tense classic season. Yeah, this for sure. Like, if Little Trek maybe get it, because I think Little Trek would have the strongest team of four or five today. Yep. SD Works had the strongest two, but I think Little Trek with Diagnan, Sprad, Van Anroy, ELB had the strongest four uh, riders. Maybe that's uncharitable to Bredevold and, and Fisher Black, but they got to find a way to use them. And uh, if the SD works also don't miss to make too many mistakes like today and you make mistakes or don't put them under pressure, then um, yep. 
best, even on their not their best day, they can still beat you. They're that good, Kopecky and, and Vollering. But yeah, a very, very interesting race. Let us know what you think about uh, the tactics or our tactical discussion. I think it was, um, it, I agree, very encouraging for now Tour of Flanders and, and all the big classics coming up. I, I don't expect, if this stays the same like this, I don't expect SD Works just to steamroll everybody. I think the same. And the thing with this race as well is that the parkour changed. I don't, I don't remember if it opened up later or not than last year, because I feel like it was similar. Because the only difference with last year is that Faulkner was ahead, right? And his deal yes. was pushed harder on Pizzotto yes. and Latolfe. Yeah. Um, so it felt to me like most teams were riding with less confidence than last year, except Little Trek, who was riding as if they were as they were in the final. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Faulkner... Oh, I should read out the top 10. Uh, Volering just beats Nivitoma in the sprint for third. Uh, we don't really know what happened on Siena. I presume Nivitoma attacked. Uh, Van Anroy, they were 26 seconds back compared to Kopecky. Uh, Van Anroy in fifth on 40 seconds, just ahead of Faulkner in sixth. Brianna Marcus, despite being, if that break had gone all the way, she would have won by a big, big margin because she finished yep. seventh on 101. Uh, Shabby in eighth on 154, beating Voss and Evita Muzic uh, for the top 10. So very, very interesting race. Uh, again, for Voss, despite good form last week, it's just, it's a, it's a bridge too far that last of Tolfe and, and Punchy climbed. Uh, she's not been... This is probably not her race um, that she really cracked today. But uh, I'm excited for the classics because Visma Lab are looking good, the women's team, compared to last year. Trek are very, very strong with Van Anroy and, and the ELB. And, and even Phoenix de Koenig with Peterson and Schweinberger have two very, very good riders who are maybe top 10 one-day hilly riders in the world. So uh, it's great to see. And uh, I really enjoyed it. But... Uh, that's all from Strada Bianca uh, weekend we, or Saturday. We really had, had a great race. We'll have the weekly show back on Monday. Uh, because, and Paranese and Tirreno Adriatico, or Paranese starts tomorrow and Tirreno starts on Monday. So we're jam-packed, filled with uh, potties for you coming up uh, in the month of March. It's a busy, busy month. So I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you tomorrow. Ciao. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.